So there's two main bison pastures. Yeah. Um, there's one on that side, and then the others on that side. Um, I don't know which one the bison are in right now. So. She's a screamer. This is Food Trippin'. I'm journalist Anastasia Miari on a road trip with my friend Iska Lupton through America's Deep South. What you just heard is me zip wiring through a tree canopy an hour outside of Austin, Texas. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and we've decided to spend it up a tree. Food Trippin' is a podcast that takes me out into the world by car, boat, or train. I take a friend along the way, and en route, we discover the lesser-known regions of our planet through food. In this series, we hit the deep south of the USA, for shrimp and grits in North Carolina, to the drive-ins of Tennessee and Mississippi. We continue onwards to a gumbo of food influences in Louisiana, and then on to Texas for some real Tex-Mex. The reason for this trip? This podcast is all about discovering places through food. Other than burgers and club sandwiches, I really have no idea what American food culture is all about. What better way to find out then than going to the deep south? In this episode, we're in Texas getting acquainted with the Thanksgiving holiday, its sweet veggie casserole dishes, and its unsavory past. Yeah, that's the fastest one, apparently. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. How fast does it go, <laughs> Yeah, how fast is it? I don't know, man. It feels very fast. So, Iska and I have found ourselves up a tree at Artistry. It's a sort of luxury treehouse adventure camp for adults an hour outside of Austin. I'm zip-wiring completely by accident. I thought I was just staying in a luxury treehouse tonight, but we've arrived as the zip wiring is getting going, and somehow I've been muscled into dangling off a very thin wire and travelling at high speeds. I'm travelling over the top of treetops and enormous bison below. I Lucky for me, it's actually quite fun. It's really nice this one because there's water underneath, so you yeah. can see the reflection. Did you look down? Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> I'm so annoyed. You're too with busy myself. screaming. We're well into our road trip through the deep south of the USA, and it's Thanksgiving season in Texas. Well, actually, everywhere in the US. The We've been traveling for nearly five weeks on a slightly yeah. mad mission to find out more about the US through its food. And it feels like Thanksgiving might just be the climax of the trip. So naturally, between casually zipping through the trees at Artistry, we're asking pretty much everyone on this zip-wiring excursion about the food at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is about turkey. We should say that we're discussing and this at the top of a tree. stuffing, <laughs> which a lot of people don't technically stuff the bird. And so when it's not stuffing, mm. what is it? What's is it actually about turkey? I thought it was something to do with pilgrims and Native Americans getting together and sharing a meal while there was no food to go around one cold, harsh winter. As with many of our holidays, much of the meaning moves away from the origin stories and onto the food, which I suppose is why we're here. Turkey, mashed potatoes, dressing, 
um, sweet potatoes are, are typically, mm. and that's an acquired taste. Pumpkin pie is a must, pumpkin pie. which comes from squash. Green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. How many people are up here talking to us about Thanksgiving? It's brilliant. You know okay, there's around seven of us huddled around this enormous bark of a tree, and we're around 20 metres off the ground on a platform that allows us a slightly nauseating view of the woodland far below. I'm loving that even here, among total strangers from all over the US, I found myself connecting with the people around me by bringing the conversation back to food. It's essentially the point of this podcast. So it was with the Puritans, um, with the Native Americans. They actually didn't have turkey at all. It was deer, lobster. I'm like, where's the lobster now? This is Angie who's giving us a historical deep dive into the Thanksgiving origin story whilst dangling on a harness. Uh, lobster and uh, corn and uh, potatoes, I believe. She's saying this hanging backwards and off a platform a <laughs> up a tree. To thank, to be thankful for the harvest. Um, and it was, I think it was a ratio of like 60 plus Native Americans to 30 plus um, Puritans. Okay, this sounds more like the story I've vaguely heard about Thanksgiving. So the story goes, and I have to emphasise here that it is a story. In 1621, the Plymouth colonists from England and the Wampanoag Native Americans, and usually in the story, the Native Americans aren't named by tribe, they shared an autumn harvest feast together. So apparently, the Native people taught the colonisers They taught them how to survive, so they taught them how to cultivate corn, how to forage for food, and how to just get by in their new environment. So as acknowledgement for this, again, the story goes, the English later held a harvest festival and they invited the native people along. So apparently that was the first Thanksgiving meal, and also, I have to add it here, that I found out the menu, although everyone eats turkey at Thanksgiving, it actually consisted of lobster, seal and swan. But before getting to the food, I want to address the issue with this origin story and Thanksgiving in general, really. And to do this, I thought the best thing to do would bring a couple of friends from the US on board to unpick it all with me. You kind of grow up with this understanding that we're we're gathering together and we're taking part in something that's been a part of like since the very beginning of America. So there's this this fable essentially kind of that we've been taught. And it is based in some truth, like it's not a complete lie. And I I guess that's kind of in where the danger lies Um, because it's a form of, it's it's a version of what happened, but it's not telling the whole story. This is Bella Carayanidis. She's a friend of mine from across the pond, as we say in England, who also happens to be a pretty amazing food writer and influencer. She's at Bella Fulfilled on Instagram, just in case you want to track her down. We're talking Thanksgiving, and Bella's explaining that the story everyone in the US is told at school, the story that I've just gone through, it's its kind of a highly sweetened version of the truth around Thanksgiving. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, look, the Indians welcomed us, and now this land is our land. And there actually is a song that we're taught to sing as little kids, and I don't know if I can remember clearly enough, but we do like these Thanksgiving pageants in, in elementary school as kids. We dress up and, you know, sing songs and your parents come and take pictures and watch you. And there's this little song we would sing that, you know, it goes, this land is your land. This land is my land (laughs) from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. And so this is like this song that we learn as children just 
kind of expressing this entitlement that we had to this land. And that, unfortunately, you know, Thanksgiving and its true origins are are ingrained in this kind of entitlement and manifest destiny that, like, you know, the, the settlers, predominantly white, the initial settlers were, came over and just were entitled and took over. And, like, almost almost as if the native people just handed over America to them. And it, it really omits this kind of, um, it, I guess it tells a story of a bit of like a bloodless colonialism, which, you know, I think little by little as a people, as, a, as citizens of the world um, and of America, we're starting to learn more and more that like the history isn't as um, pure as it was presented to us. The reason behind the pilgrims and the Wampanoag tribe coming together are unclear, but the events following this first festival, essentially more colonizers arriving and encroaching on native land that was not theirs, it led to the massacre and enslavement of much of the Wampanoag. There wasn't a happy ever after in which the two lived happily and peacefully side by side. In 1621, pilgrims and Indians sat down to the first Thanksgiving dinner in Plymouth, Massachusetts. They ate wild turkey and corn. Amazingly, a lot of the people we come across in Texas on our Thanksgiving mission don't really touch on the brutality that followed that supposed first Thanksgiving meal. In his book, Thanksgiving, the biography of an American holiday, James Baker explains that this Thanksgiving story was essentially implemented at American schools. That was in the late 1800s, and it was as the US saw a rise in nationalism. And that was because the country was becoming increasingly industrialized. European immigrants were pouring in. The American Protestants living here at the time, after having massacred and displaced the indigenous people here, they feared displacement themselves. So they began to shape ideals of what being truly American was, and they implemented these teachings at school. One of these teachings was this sweetened Thanksgiving fable. And it's still being taught today. Yeah, it it wasn't, I don't think, I think it wasn't until Lincoln that made it like an official holiday. Um, Here I am back up the tree at Artistry with Angie, who touches on Lincoln making Thanksgiving a national holiday in 1863 as a political sort of propaganda move during the Civil War. There's no mention of the wiping out and enslavement of the natives in the years post-1621, though. Celebrate because it was more of like a religious thing for celebrating uh, your blessings and what you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became like a, it's become like a staple because now it's obviously a national holiday. Because so. now people are saying happy, thankful. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Did Someone that said that in it? a cafe yeah. in Austin. Oh, really? Happy, thankful, y'all. It's true. <laughs> All right. I was served a coffee in Austin was, and waved yeah, off with a happy, yeah. thankful yeah, from the barista. Elsewhere, native people choose to call this American holiday the National Day of Mourning, for obvious reasons. Here's Heath, a barman we've cornered to give us his roundabout version of Thanksgiving. What's Thanksgiving actually about? What's what's the point? Well, of I mean, here, it goes back to the pilgrims, of course, and making it surviving. And yeah, it's a, just a big get together at the fall after the, hopefully a successful summer harvest. Okay. When was the first Thanksgiving? Then? I do not know the year, and I probably should. My wife teaches school, so I'm sure she knows.
definitely teaching kids that the first Thanksgiving was this big happy party where the Native Americans came and celebrated with us and saved our hide is uh, is a little bit problematic, especially if you don't go on to tell the rest of the story. This is Laurel Evans, a Texan food writer, recipe developer and TV host who writes on American cuisine. Like Bella, my other food writer friend, I've roped her into helping me unpick Thanksgiving a little better. So she'll be popping up throughout the episode. The, the origin story is problematic, but what, what the holiday has become to mean is very different from what that, that origin story tells. Because what I like about Thanksgiving is that it is a holiday where people stop to recognize how important family is. They, it's not a commercial holiday, so there's no gifts involved. There's not this big, you know, capitalistic spending spree that happens before it, like uh, Christmas in the States, for mm-hmm. instance. Yeah. And Good uh, point. Good it's point. really a moment that also all religions can participate in this holiday. Finally, something positive. Specifically Christian holiday. And so, for instance, in the United States, when we have immigrants coming from different countries, different religions, it's often a very important moment when uh, a new immigrant celebrates their first Thanksgiving. It's, an, it's, a, it's a holiday about inclusion. So everybody... Can participate. I love, that. but it has become to mean let's stop, let's thank whoever you want to thank for the abundance in your life. Let's go meet our families. Let's put aside our differences and let's sit around a table and enjoy each other and have a big meal. Um, who's the turkey? Who's the turkey? Who is, Who is the turkey? Um, who sits at the turkey? Who sits at the turkey? As you can hear, Iska and I do end up at a traditional family Thanksgiving dinner in a town called Round Rock in Texas. And I have to say, there's no mention of pilgrims, native people, no origin story whatsoever. It's to make the, the whole place setting look beautiful. Doesn't it look beautiful? Look, it does look very beautiful. Oh, your dad's got your plate. about to arrive, Luke. Look. Oh, wow! Much like what Laurel says, though, it seems the holiday is less about the founding of America as we know it today, and more about getting together with loved ones. I've obviously done a lot of reading around Thanksgiving as well, and found a similar sentiment in articles written by Sean Sherman an incredible Native American chef belonging to the Oglala Lakota Sioux tribe. As a side note, I've desperately been trying to pin him down for this episode, but ironically, his PR tells me he's really busy at this time of year. So sadly, in place of him, I'm gonna read what he wrote on Thanksgiving in a piece for the Huffington Post. So in this piece he says, and this is um, what stood out to me most, Just because I clearly see the lies that have been told to us for years, it doesn't mean I can't be hopeful for the present. I reject that false pilgrims and Indians narrative, but I do look at Thanksgiving as a day to appreciate what we have right in front of us, whatever that is. I hope we can all have a chance to be grateful for the people we love and the food we have. This how we're passing each dish from person to person here. It's such a military operation, isn't it? (laughs) 
We'll get back to this Thanksgiving lunch, but first, here's how we got invited. Do you know a family to adopt us for Thanksgiving? What's Do you know a family in Austin that will adopt us for Thanksgiving? We want to have a real authentic experience of Thanksgiving. We're at an incredibly busy barbecue joint in Lexington, about an hour outside of Austin. It's Saturday morning and we've driven to Snow's Barbecue to get a taste of the famous brisket here. And as you can hear, I'm hankering after an invite to Thanksgiving dinner. What happens at your Thanksgiving then? We're having our daughters over and just she puts out a big cook. Do you want two English girls? Two more daughters. <laughs> yeah, we have two daughters. Do you want two more? Okay. <laughs> we got room. Marty is a very lovely, unassuming older gentleman who's minding his own business eating his beef brisket of a Saturday morn, and here we are, two cheeky Brits trying to invite ourselves to Thanksgiving. Can you ask her? We really don't want to be on our own for Thanksgiving. Really? We want to know what an authentic American Thanksgiving is. I've been doing this to strangers for about a week now, and everyone seems to say yes and then never get back. Not surprisingly. I think maybe our approach is a bit aggressive. Anyway, Marty, much to my surprise, goes off to grab wife Jan, who's halfway through tucking into barbecue brisket wedged in between two spongy bits of white sliced bread. Can we come for Thanksgiving dinner? They need a place sure. to stay. <laughs> sure. Can we actually? Yeah. <laughs> okay. These, these people leave, they leave Monday morning, so after that there's extra. Can we come and cook with you? We can, yes. we can be your assistants. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Why not? We're, not, we're not strange girls. Thankfully, the next day, while hiking the Austin Greenbelt, a lush patch of land that runs its way right around the city, inclusive of creeks and freshwater springs, we receive an email, and it's from Jan. Anastasia, we would love to have you and Iska join our family for Thanksgiving. I know you will enjoy meeting our two daughters and their family. We are a very casual, open brackets, not formal, close brackets, in our gatherings. Come comfortable. This year we have changed up the time to have our meal around four, so come on my say any time after two. Thank you for offering to bring wine. With roasted turkey, I believe Chardonnay, Pinot Noir or Viognier would be perfect. Great. Hero. Yeah. I mean, isn't that a lovely email to receive? Mm. And just like that, we have Thanksgiving plans. Here's Bella again. Thanksgiving, for the most part, like if we really get to the heart of it, we kind of do the work, shed away the the falsehoods of, of the rhetoric we were taught and just say, what is this day really about? And like I touched on earlier, it is different than every other holiday. You know, it's it's not this bonanza of commerce like Christmas is, you know, it's... Thanksgiving has managed to kind of, there is a purity around this holiday in the sense of it's kind of managed to hold on to some of its original ideas, you know, hospitality, generosity, togetherness. Um, And I think that those are all things that the majority, like if you ask the majority of Americans, those are the things that they associate with Thanksgiving. It's about taking the time to get together with people you love, whether they're family or not. So if we focus on the positives, like the native chef Sean Sherman says in his article, and like Bella is suggesting here, Thanksgiving is about getting together. It's about uniting, or I suppose it's become about uniting. It is also a bit about the turkey. 
what what better way to you know settle your differences than over a really delicious meal? Um, I think that, like I said, it's the universal love language. And Which think- brings me smoothly back to the week before Thanksgiving and every single conversation I have with people about the holiday, somehow coming back to the food. What have you ordered? This is a brisket. A whole a brisket, whole brisket. Wow. for Thanksgiving. Turkey, uh, green bean casserole, mashed potatoes, coleslaw, apple pie. Stuffing, tala, egg bread, mm-hmm. celery, and chicken stock. Turkey, mashed potatoes, okay. dressing, um, sweet potatoes are, are typically, mm. and that's an acquired taste. Pumpkin pie is a must, which comes from casserole. Of all the conversations we have in the lead up to going to Jan and Marty's for Thanksgiving, I'm seeing a pattern. Certain dishes keep cropping up. First, there's got to be turkey. The spirits of the first turkey lovers. Dost thou smell turkey? Oh, tis beautiful. Thou cannot judge turkey by the beauty of its skin. Indeed, it could be dry. But this is the butterball turkey. Always plump and juicy because it's deep basted where hand basting can't reach. Look how juicy. Thou never served so juicy a bird. Thou never brought home a butterball. Butterball from Swift is truly plump and juicy. Oh, but turkey can go so wrong, can't it? Here's Bella indulging me in some more Thanksgiving anecdotes. A lot of people call Thanksgiving Turkey Day. Um, it's Turkey Day. And the thing about turkey is it's it's hard to do well. Um, I grew up hating turkey because it was always so dry and flavorless. It was just my parents, you know, whoever in my family, they didn't know how to cook a damn turkey, okay? So I was always hoping that like, um, you know, that my aunt and uncle would bring like a honey baked ham. Um, there's like these honey roasted hams. I was just like, please let them bring a ham. Please let them bring a ham because it was so much better than the turkey. Sorry to bash the Thanksgiving turkey, but it likely wasn't even at the first Thanksgiving feast of 1621. It probably spread in popularity because it was a bird that was readily available and native to North America, and it grew to a much larger size than a chicken, so it could feed a lot more people. Hence, turkey for a celebratory feast. It's just practical. Also, as Bella gets to, it can be insanely delicious if it's done right. Here's her describing the Thanksgiving turkey that changed her life, cooked by her aunt one year. Oh my gosh, it was it was insane. But the turkey, it, it basically gets brined in like this apple cider, um, bay leaf, um, whole allspice and salt, you know, kind of vat. Like, and it sits in there for like the day before, two days before, and then you drain it, you dry it. And then my uncle smoked it. And it was just, it was succulent. It was moist. It was like, I never thought turkey could be so incredible. So we still... Now it's like every year, even if it's just me and my husband, I'll buy the smallest turkey possible and I'll still make, you know, that same turkey. Okay, so on the table, we've got turkey. Normal. Cool. What else? Green beans with uh, cream of mushroom and then they have like these fried onions on top with cheese. Green beans with cream of mushroom soup. Green beans don't need anything added to them. They're delicious. Here we're eating at Colleen's Kitchen. It's a restaurant dedicated to Southern food in Austin. And Colleen herself is indulging us in more of what to expect of the food on Thanksgiving Day. It's like casserole central. I mean, there's casseroles everywhere at Thanksgiving. Everything comes in a dish that's casserole style because you're cooking so much food. 
I do love that Thanksgiving has become a kind of holiday where everyone brings something to the table. It's all the ultimate form of bonding and sharing love. The menu being set every year also means that family traditions are fostered and that these dishes are being perfected over many years. Something is making me feel a little bit more nervous than excited about Thanksgiving at Jan and Marty's though. And it's this mention of a sweet potato casserole dish. It just keeps coming up. The first I hear of it is when we're zip-wiring at artistry. Here's Angie back up on the tree platform, telling us how she's going to make her sweet right, potato casserole. Sweet potato casserole, Ooh, then what this, goes into that? It's fabulous. Hers um, is amazing. I've it's, had some where people throw it's got, it's, it's got heavy whipping cream in it. You roast the sweet potatoes, you heavy whipping cream. Think heavy whipping cream with sweet potatoes is a bit indulgent. Wait until you hear what's next. Everyone is clearly very impassioned about their Thanksgiving sweet potatoes. It's not covered with you okay. do marshmallows roasted and that's disgusting. Marshmallows. Yeah, traditional way of doing it. Traditional Oh my god. I had never ever heard of this dish before now. Sweet potatoes topped with marshmallows, then baked in the oven. And apparently, this is a traditional Thanksgiving dish. After this conversation, we're wondering if the sweet potato marshmallow dish might actually be waiting for us at Thanksgiving lunch. Here we are driving to Round Rock, trying to figure out what the ghost of Thanksgiving future has in store for us tomorrow. Uh, if tomorrow you get a tray of sweet potato and in it there's marshmallow. <laughs> I, I already find sweet potatoes too sweet before any mallow has been added. <laughs> I thought she'd said marrow, which would make a bit more sense. I think we're going to keep looking over at each other across the table with like <laughs> puffed out cheeks. Really, she said that's the traditional way of doing it. Sweet potatoes and marshmallow. She didn't say that, did she? Yeah, she, she did. She but said not, not, her, no, not her creamed sweet potato dish. No, the marshmallow is the traditional way. That's what she said. No, I. Yes, Iska, I can play it back to you. You were recording. I was it. listening. Yeah. Yeah. No, the marshmallow, and she said I don't do it that way, but other people, that's okay. the traditional way of doing it with marshmallow. I they mean, were that, her words. That is bonkers. I thought I thought that was a separate dessert thing. No. Separate to the... No. Oh. That's the sweet potato. A phone call to food writer Laurel Evans confirms this is actually the case. Absolutely. That's actually a very, a very famous um, casserole, they call it a, a sweet potato casserole with, with marshmallows on top that are toasted on top in the oven. And it becomes this incredible sort of sweet, savoury pudding side dish. <laughs> okay, I'm braced for the sweet potatoes and marshmallows, but where the hell did this dish come from? Um, yes, it's definitely very southern. And so uh, one of the one of the fun things about Thanksgiving is that it is very regionally influenced in the States. And so every every region has their own recipes and their own traditions. Bizarrely, and I don't know how it traveled down south, but this traditionally southern dish seems to have roots in Boston. So according to an article from Saveur magazine documented by the Library of Congress, the first documented recipe of mashed sweet potatoes with marshmallows dates to 1917. 
And that's when these marketers of Angelus marshmallows, so essentially ad men, marketeers who were trying to sell Angelus marshmallows, they hired a lady called Janet Mackenzie Hill. And she was the founder of the Boston Cooking School magazine. She ended up being hired by these guys at Angelus Marshmallows to develop recipes that encouraged home cooks to embrace the marshmallow as an everyday ingredient. I mean, it's not an everyday ingredient, it's what you have around the campfire. So essentially, this dish all began as a clever bit of marketing by these guys and Janet Mackenzie Hill. Just parking off outside Jan and Marty's and they've got a Texan flag on the right hand side of their garage, an American flag on the left hand side of their garage. In a very sort of how do we how would we say it? Suburban. It's super suburban. Very suburban neighbourhood. We're armed with two bottles of wine, two and a half bottles. Do we take the half bottle in? No. No? Okay. And some salt left over from the steak yeah and some butter they might appreciate butter and salt right i'm a bit nervous are you yeah yeah okay should we go in i'm excited okay we're welcomed into jan and marty's pristine home and swiftly whisked into the kitchen past an enormous dining table decorated with pumpkins and autumnal foliage on one side of the room marty his son-in-law and two little boys hover around a tv displaying an american football match In the kitchen, Jan, her two daughters and granddaughter are sipping at glasses of sparkling wine and they're talking us through the Thanksgiving menu. Lo and behold. So here we've got sweet potatoes. What else is in here, Jan? Um, And Chris likes, she loves the sprinkling of marshmallows on top that get kind of crunchy and melty. Oh, yeah. yeah. A whole layer of marshmallows or just a, a uh, sprinkling? Not, not too much because then it's too sick and yeah. sweet, but maybe the bourbon would cut that sweetness. So what's in the sauce? Bourbon um, butter, and... brown sugar, orange juice, mm. um, bourbon. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm excited to try yeah, it. Too. I've never had anything like that before. <laughs> it's quite a big tray of bright sweet potato mash with that characteristic orange glow and it's in a sort of brown moat of whiskey and orange juice and atop are the customary marshmallows of course when it gets to sitting down for thanksgiving lunch i'm the first to dip into the casserole well because you can't knock it until you've tried it i'm going first in with the um sweet potato casserole Mm. The truth is, I'm not loving this dish. It just feels too weird for me to get into. Sweet potato is it's sweet enough. It just doesn't need floopy marshmallow on top. And whiskey has really, it's never really been my drink. On to dessert, anyone? Oh, pumpkin pie. Okay, here's the great debate. It's pumpkin pie and apple pie. This is Bella again, weighing in on the best dessert to round things off with at Thanksgiving. In my opinion, you have to have both. You can't have one or the other because there's people who love pumpkin pie and are like low-key obsessed. And then there's people who like loathe pumpkin pie. They're just like, no, can't do it. Where's the apple? And I growing up was anti-pumpkin pie and I was all about the apple pie. 
I do think a pumpkin pie is really the one at Thanksgiving, though. It's the dessert that keeps coming up when I ask people about it. It's what Jan serves us at Thanksgiving lunch. Also, pumpkin is a vegetable that was abundant at the time the supposedly first Thanksgiving festival was hosted. The native people grew squash and pumpkin. They were veggies likely to have been used to satisfy the sweet tooth at the time. Especially growing up in the 90s, it was like, oh, we'll just buy the frozen pumpkin pie, you know? And um, I just wasn't a fan. But now I have this like pumpkin mousse pie that I make and it is light and it's, it has just enough, it has a really lovely texture. And it's a really nice way to finish off the meal because you've already like indulged yourself. <laughs> um, so having kind of a lighter dessert, I think is, is nice. So the pumpkin mousse pie redeemed pumpkin pie for me. Thankfully for me, Bella's offered to share her own take on the pumpkin pie with me. And the recipe is now available on the Food Trippin' website at foodtrippinpodcast.com. Thanking everyone that helped with this episode of Food Trippin'. I hope it was as nourishing for you all as it was for me. If you want to show your support to Indigenous people in America after listening to this episode, please visit the Food Trippin' website for links to organizations you can donate to and learn more from. Big love to Bella at Bella Fulfilled and the wonderful Laurel Evans for their insights. Also to Jan and Marty for opening up their home to us and to Artistry for an incredible zip wiring prelude to the holiday. If you loved this episode, please hit subscribe. Music from the episode came from Mixkit, Free Music Archive and Fezlian Studios. Food Trippin' is a More Corners podcast made with Ink Studios.